Our scripture reading for today comes to us from the gospel account of St. Matthew, the third chapter, verses 13 through 17. Hear now the word of the Lord. Then Jesus came from Galilee to John at the Jordan to be baptized by him. John would have prevented him saying, I need to be baptized by you, and do you come to me? But Jesus answered him, let it be so now, for it is proper for us in this way to fulfill all righteousness. Then he consented. And when Jesus had been baptized, just as he came up from the water, suddenly the heavens were opened to him, and he saw God's Spirit descending like a, like a dove and alighting on him. And a voice from the heavens said, this is my son, the beloved, with whom I'm well pleased. This is the word of God for the people of God. Thanks be to God. Today is baptism of the Lord Sunday, the day that we set aside every year towards the beginning of the new year following the Christmas and Epiphany seasons to remember our baptism, to give thanks to God, and to reaffirm the commitments that we have made, to remind ourselves of who we are and whom we are becoming in the grace and love of God, the work of God that is in us, the work of God that is for us, the work of God that is through us, and even the work of God and the mystery of God that occurs in spite of us. In our faith tradition, we have two sacraments. Now the definition of a sacrament is, it is an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. In other words, sacraments are gifts given to us by God that allow us to touch and see, taste, feel, experience, know that God is working in us even in ways that are sometimes not quite so evident for us at the time. We have two sacraments in our faith tradition, the sacrament of Holy Communion and the sacrament of Holy Baptism. In order for something to be considered a sacrament for us, there's two criteria that it has to meet. Number one, Jesus Christ himself had to participate in it. And number two, Jesus Christ himself had to command its continuances. Now there's other sacraments celebrated by, say, the Roman Catholic Church where they have seven of them. We hold those other ones as the means of grace ways in which God continues to work in us and through us. Like we don't have the sacrament of marriage, we have the means of grace of marriage because if you're married, you know you need a lot of grace in that. But the sacraments, baptism and communion, these are things that Christ himself did. For the sacrament of Holy Communion, he gathered with the disciples in that borrowed upper room, took bread and cup, blessed it, broke it, and gave it to them and said, take and eat, this is my body, this is my blood, which is given for you. Do this as often as you partake in remembrance of me, and thereby commanded its continuance. In baptism, we get a little bit of space. Jesus commands its continuance, as we see recorded in the gospel account again in St. Matthew, and what we know was the great commission in that last chapter where he tells us to go therefore in his name and baptize. But Jesus' baptism occurs here in what we have as the third chapter. So if we celebrate sacraments because Jesus, him Christ, Jesus Christ himself participated in them, and if we celebrate sacraments because Jesus Christ himself commanded their continuance, then there must be a reason why we do it, and there must be a reason why Jesus did it. Now, with Holy Communion, it gets to be a little obvious. He explains the whole thing to us, right? But with baptism, the question is raised, why was Jesus baptized? Because often in our broader church culture, 
we hear so many things about baptism that doesn't really fit with who Jesus is. Like baptism is the profession of faith. I'll give you a little hint. In our tradition, baptism is not the profession of faith. Because was Jesus Christ making a profession of faith? I mean, when Jesus Christ testifies of himself, he's not making a profession of faith. He's testifying to the truth. This is who I am. Was Jesus Christ baptized for the forgiveness of sin? What, what sin has he committed? Do we not believe that he lived a perfect human life, fully God and fully human? And the, there's a clue in the scripture, but the problem is, is it does, it gets a little clunky in the Greek. That's the reason why the verses kind of read a little clunky in English. Because when Jesus comes to the Jordan to be baptized of John, we have to understand something. The church has not been commissioned yet. There is no such thing as a sacrament of holy baptism yet. There are various Jewish rites of purification that John is doing one of them where one would go to be immersed as a sign of being physically clean to enter into the presence of God. Hence the reason why John's call in the wilderness and celebrating this Jewish rite is to repent for the kingdom of God is at hand. He's preparing the way of the Christ. And so when Jesus shows up in front of his cousin John and says, hey, John, I want to be baptized. John goes, hey, wait a second. This isn't the way this works. I'm preparing the way for you. I'm proclaiming something that's a, a, a ritual cleansing for the defilement of the body. And you don't have that. And what Jesus says there if you'll allow me to do a little bit of a different translation, is he looks at John and he says, you are absolutely right. You ain't wrong, boss. But we are about to fulfill all righteousness. Because Christ, after his baptism, launches fully into his mission and ministry. The whole reason why he showed up, Christ fulfills both the law and the prophets. Christ fulfills all righteousness. But in this moment, he's going under the water for, for a very special and important reason, for something that this is the first time it had occurred. When Christ comes up out of the water, the Father takes over the liturgy. And in this moment, when Christ emerges, however it was that Christ was baptized, the Holy Spirit descends in the form of a dove and lands on him. And the booming voice of the Father rings out. And we get this beautiful picture of the Holy Trinity. And what the Father says, this is my son, my beloved in whom I'm well pleased. In that moment, the Father claims the Son. And I don't know how that works in relation to the Trinity. That's beyond my rank and my pay grade. Because St. Augustine said, to deny the existence of the Holy Trinity was to put oneself in danger of the fires of hell. Yet to seek to understand the mystery of the Holy Trinity was to put oneself in danger of going insane. 
And I fully believe that. I don't know how the Holy Trinity works. I just know there it is, and I'm taking it in faith. And that's what we believe about baptism. I've got news for you. When we're talking about remembering your baptism, one of the questions I get a lot is, well, I was baptized as an infant. I can't remember it. We're not talking about you remembering your physical act of getting water on your head or dunked or poured or however it was it was done. Whether it was done at the font here at Bluff Park or whether you were baptized in some church uh, a few states over or whether you were taken out to living water. God bless you if you were, because if you were baptized anywhere in the South, living water literally means a stream or a pond or like something that is flowing. And even in July, that stuff is cold as all get out. It's not about you physically remembering your baptism because baptism doesn't have anything to do with you. It's a promise of God. It's about remembering the promise that God has made to you. A promise that God made to you before you can make a promise to God. Because if God didn't come to us first, how would any of us ever come to God? It's no mistake that we celebrate baptism of the Lord's Sunday right after the celebrations of Christmas and Epiphany, right after we celebrate the fact that God took on flesh to come and dwell among us at the most inappropriate time, at a time where everything seemed to be falling apart, that without being invited, God showed up in the most miraculous way, and that God continues to reach out to us each and every day in grace and love, meeting us right where we are and loving us right where we are, but loving us way too much to leave us where God finds us. That God is at work in our hearts and lives. That God claims us. And we learn in turn to claim God. That's our profession of faith. Our profession of faith is, yes, in the vows that we make when either we join the church or we're confirmed, we're old enough to have some understanding. I'm not sure any of us really understands the whole thing. But that's our profession of faith. But I will go even further standing in some of the sermons and writings of John Wesley, more importantly in my mind, the writing of James, where our profession of faith is not simply just the vows that we make or the vows that we took, but that our profession of faith is that each day we seek to be doers of the word rather than merely hearers of it. That our profession of faith is lived out each and every day by the choices that we make and the way we live our lives. And guess what? I love you, but if you're anything like me, there's some days you kind of mess that up. And then there's grace again because God is still there and God still claims us and God is still working in us and through us and for us. When we remember our baptisms, we remember the promise of grace declared to us in this. That's the reason why for us, we will baptize a nine-week-old or a 99-year-old because it does not matter how old you were when you came to to the waters of baptism. You are still a child of God. You are still an infant in the faith, unable to do anything for yourself, save for the grace of God that comes to you first. And that's a huge relief. Because guys, you don't have to get it all together before you come to God. God comes to us. And God claims us. And I say this is the first time 
that the booming voice of the Father rang out over the waters of baptism, but I don't believe it's the only time. A few weeks ago, we celebrated baptism, and I promise if you, if you listen closely, you heard the voice of the Father booming out saying, this is my son, my beloved, in whom I'm well pleased. And I guarantee you, when the waters of baptism was placed on your head, the, the voice of the Father boomed out across heaven. In fact, I don't, I don't doubt for a second that the Father elbowed O Gabriel and said, you see him? You see her? That's, that's my daughter in whom I'm well pleased. Because God created you. God created you for a purpose, and God created you in God's very own image. And that means something. So this morning, when we celebrate remembering our baptism, we're going to reaffirm our vows. If you've never done that before, I invite you just to consider through them and consider what it means to make such a profession in the name of God. And if you've done that before, I want you to remember. I want you to remember your profession of faith. And as we move through that, to ask the hard question of how am I living into this each day? What does this mean for me tomorrow when I go back to work or to school or to any of the places that I go? But when you're invited to come and dip your fingers in the waters of baptism, to remember your baptism, which, oh, by the way, in our tradition, we don't practice rebaptism. If you've ever had water put on you in one way, shape, form, or another in the name of the Father, the Son, or the Holy Spirit, I ain't doing it again. And it's not because I don't love you, but it's because that would be me saying that God was a liar and God didn't show up the first time, and God ain't no liar. I may fall short of God, but God has never one time fallen short of me. So when you're invited to come and dip your fingers in the water, in that moment, what I'm asking you to remember is that you are covered in grace, that God has claimed you, that God is claiming you, and that God is still seeking to do a work in your life. And whether you're a child or a teenager, someone more advanced in years, God's not done with you yet. How do I know? Because you're still here. You haven't entered into God's retirement plan yet. And I want you to remember that, yes, we are charged with living into the commitment that we make. But we are not charged in doing that all on our own. That we are covered in grace. That God has come to us first and God still comes to us. Because even though after today, the decorations get packed away for another year, we still have Emmanuel. God is with us and God is with you. May this morning we remember who we are. But more importantly, may we remember and celebrate whose we are. Because we serve a gracious God who comes to us first and who claims us as his very own children. So in the name of that gracious God, Father, Son, and Holy Spirit, amen. Hello, my name is Kevin Payne, and I'm the senior pastor here at Bluff Park United Methodist Church. 
Thank you for joining with us in our podcast of our worship celebration, the sermon this past week. I pray that you found it a blessing and that it enriched your life. If you are ever in our area and would like to join with us in person, we are located at 733 Valley Street here in Hoover, Alabama. Our service time is 10 a.m. and we would love to meet you. I pray you have a blessed week and hope to see you soon. Bye now.